This is where the fun begins. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. Can't lose! King Kong ain't got shit on me! Oh my god! Okay, it's happening! Everybody stay calm! What's the Everybody procedure, everyone? What's the procedure? Stay calm! Say my name. And here we go. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Grab your snacks, get your popcorn ready. It's about to get realish. I am Christopher Negron, and today I'm being joined by my esteemed co-host, as always, uh, the the pod father, the reason we're all here, our guy, Derek Myers, as well as Matthew Tirado. It's amazing to have you back as well for the second episode of our Ology series, right? Uh, re- really looking forward to this. And in general, we got a whole bunch of different topics to discuss today. Um, just to give you a little rundown, uh, we're going to start by discussing some unpopular opinions about popular film and TV shows and characters, uh, which always looking forward to hearing the hot takes of these two guys right here. And uh, after that, of course, our feature presentation where we're going to be studying The Godfather Part 2, which was directed, of course, by Francis Ford Coppola, starring Al Pacino. Uh, But before we get into all that, please just want to make sure that we remind all of you to follow us on all social media platforms, OTS Media Co. and OTS Media on YouTube. Uh, You can find us there as well as subscribing to the podcast feeds, right? Make sure that whenever we get a new episode uploaded, you're getting alerted and you get it before anyone else. So please, looking forward to hearing uh, your feedback as well. If there's any way, any discussion topics, anything you want us to get to in future episodes, definitely let us know. Uh, But with all the housekeeping notes out of the way, uh, let's get into it, man. How how do you guys want to start this? Because I'm excited. Yeah. Oh, me too, man. Me too. It's uh, it's great to be back, guys. I know. Uh, yes. I freaking missed missed getting a chance to record with you guys. Um, but yeah. So I figured nice little introduction there. Um, I don't know. Should I just start with my hot take and then try to warm you guys up a little bit and then make you <laughs> question why I'm on let's the get, podcast? Let's get, let's get it hot in here <laughs> yeah. right now. Let's get sure. it. Yeah. All right. So um, <laughs> I think it's safe to assume that both of you are Chris Nolan fans. Um. Yeah. I was say more so, uh, and you like. I'm assuming you watched a majority of his movies, both of you guys. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. So I think Dunkirk is the best Christopher Nolan movie. Okay. Explain yourself. There is no explanation. That it, that that's it. Dunkirk is the best movie. I don't need to back it up with any claims, any evidence. Just what Wait, it is. So cinematically, <laughs> story wise, oh everything. Everything better than really? Dark Knight, better than Batman Begins, better than Interstellar, better than Ten. Well, definitely better than Tenet, better than um, Memento, and then I, I really? think there's like one. Yeah, yeah. I think Dunkirk is better than than each of them. Um, obviously, joking aside, I think the reason being is, uh, in spite of it um, being PG thirteen, and you could definitely see you know, like a few instances where an R rating could have really enhanced um, the movie. Uh, I think it does a really great job at building suspense. And with it only being, you know, I think the shortest runtime out of a Christopher Nolan movie, I think it's around an hour and 42 minutes. Um, it, it doesn't waste any time. Um, and I think another interesting aspect too is that 
the the story isn't told chronologically and so you know you sort of have three different perspectives you have the sea you have the air and then you have the actual ground troopers sort of, sort of you know, being faced in the middle of this of this intense situation and i think there's something about dunkirk where there isn't a lot of characterization you know there is a lot of moments where you can sort of relate with the characters especially since they're in such a you know heightened scenario obviously i don't think any of us here can relate to being a world war ii veteran for obvious reasons but i think the film does a good enough job or really does a phenomenal job at like um really conveying the intensity of war um and really just i don't know this being a i think from especially just from a cinematic perspectives and the way nolan incorporated a lot of practical effects and not really relying on on cgi uh which is something that you know he's privy to at this point um so yeah i think you know dunkirk is the monumental achievement on on every level um and it's a very surprisingly intimate film despite you know being a essentially a blockbuster movie you know i think the budget was 150 to 175 million dollars and you know he does not waste any expense at uh telling the story so yeah that's my that's my argument okay all right um that's actually not like the wildest thing because I, I i um i've heard someone some other people say that too i i personally the film i thought was cool but like i'm not y'all i, I told y'all this before i'm not into like the like world war one and two era films and I'm, I'm just not into that so i didn't even like the call of duty game so i was just like those in that era of call of duty um but i mean i get it i get it it was a good cinematic. I don't. Thing. I don't. Stop. No, stop. Stop. Stop the shit, Derek. Let, let's be real no. here. Let's be real here. Cinematically, <laughs> it's a good movie. But oh, you named movie. you named a lot of those movies, right? You name. Yeah. Listen, Dunkirk ain't even in my top three, buddy. So I don't know what the fuck not you're talking either. about. Respectfully, it's not, not even either. in my top three. <laughs> um, there, there's a lot. I mean, I honestly, there's some movies you didn't even name that might be ahead of Dunkirk. So I don't know. I just feel like I respect. Your opinion, I think, ultimately, it's not a shitty movie, so I, I can't be too mad, right? It's, it's not like you're out here <laughs> vouching for something that I'm just completely against, right? It's not a shitty movie, yeah. um, but at the same time, uh, th- there has been much better ones in his catalog, for, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, Fair enough. Inception. Inception is probably, like, that, to me, that's definitely in his top three, for sure. Um, and Dunkirk doesn't beat that out to me at all. I, uh, never mind. Never mind. I, I, I was gonna say I was like say another hot take, but no, we're gonna what move on what? to the next. Uh, no, no, no. What? No, I was gonna say I. I think Inception barely cracks top five, but that's a conversation oh, for. Yeah, for we'll another have that day. conversation. We'll have um, that conversation. I don't want to. You, you know, that. take up, the, <laughs> take up the the runtime. Uh, <laughs> talking about that take, so. <laughs> All right. All right, y'all want to go circle, um, like uh, rotation for number ones, and then go to number two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds okay. good to me. All right, all right. Chris, so yours? who's next? Okay. Uh, this one, honestly, I was thinking about this for a long time, and I don't even think that this is really, by definition, a hot take. But I'm gonna frame it as a hot take, right? Because I could frame it as a suggestion, and if I do, then it doesn't come off as angry, right? Yeah. Um. The Avengers movies are very well done for the most part, right? But 
my issue, and I think that what needs to change if they're going to do either a future Avengers or any, I mean, honestly, any Marvel movie at this point uh, that's mm-hmm. being put out, there needs to be some sort of preface montage. Give me like a five minute short summary that is well done, right? Make it a part of actual production so that it, even if it's an animated little like five minute short, like make some sort of story relevance explanation to this movie as a whole because there's a lot of people that have no clue what is going on in the universe to show up to watch these movies uh why not make them enjoy it even more right it's it's a lost opportunity it's very rare that movies that are connected in this universe right um have this commercial success that people that aren't even really a part of the nuances of the universe uh still show up to watch them uh so why not dig your heels in, get them to be invested in the series and what you are promoting. Um, and while watching the movie, maybe the plot points hit a little better for the people that are in the audience. So that's my hot take. Give me, give me some sort of representation of relevant uh, moments that need to be understood to make this movie great. Uh, because without it, I feel like a lot of people in the theater, sometimes you can hear, especially when people are reacting, um, mm. we, we get the reactions and then someone's like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, wh- yeah. Why don't we all get in this together? Yeah. I actually like that because Disney Plus has um, these uh, this section of shorts anyway which wouldn't fit right into that, which I think would drive people to actually sign up for Disney Plus a lot more, too, uh, because for, for your point, uh, a lot of people don't know what's going on. So I, I like that. That's a good idea. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not mad at that. I mean, I, I, see, I see the logic there for, for anyone who has not seen Marvel movies, but re- realistically speaking, I mean, it's safe to assume that those who have seen the main Avengers movies have dedicated the rest of their time watching the other installments. And so I think at that point, um, there's YouTube and you just go there and you, and you just recap to, to be quite honest. I, I, <laughs> you know, um, and I think even so, like, I think the Avengers movies are, are do a good enough job at, um, making you, you know, like the movies in their own way without needing to have, you know, thousands of hours of, of television or, you know, movies to be watched. I think for the most part, I mean, you'll get more out of it if you've obviously, again, been a, been a super fan. But for the most part, I think the movies can stand up uh, on their own, you know. So I think, um, I think a recap is, at least in my opinion, wouldn't, wouldn't be necessary, you know, but... Mm-hmm. I think it's safe to assume about 25%. And that's, I think that's a low number, but about 25% of people that show up to watch those movies in person are with people that are fanatics and are not fanatics themselves. Um, Mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe converting that extra 25% to a more surefire turnaround for when their girlfriend dumps them, right? You want to bring them back. They're not with that girl (laughs) no more, but they, they still want them to buy that ticket. So uh, who knows? I, I think it'll be a positive thing. And I think ultimately, Without it, like, obviously, like you said, they do their best to try to make it a standalone movie. Um, But on face value, like, as someone who is with, like, informed about the nuances of the universe, right? On face value, yeah, there's little, like, funny moments here and there. But if I feel like if you're lost and have no idea and are watching these movies, you'll get a good movie. uh, But what you get out of it with all the context is, like, 
three times better, in my opinion. So let's see. Let's see. Make it happen. Make it happen, Marvel. I like that. Um, so my first one. I actually think Jennifer Lopez is a better action star than romance. I think she uh <laughs> I think she's actually I, I was watching um did you guys see that movie The Mother on Netflix? No, no. Okay. So anytime I've seen any of her action movies like that or enough. There was another one that she did. Um, I forgot what it was called, but I think she uh, she actually has she's more convincing as an action star uh, than she is when she's constantly getting married in all these movies. Um, I actually think she 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 comes across as a more serious actor than um, uh, in those type of settings than just like a hopeless romantic. So it's not like um cause I actually think that I don't like saying this, but I think she's a little overrated with uh being um a romance um romance star because of the fact that you already know what's gonna happen. It doesn't matter what the story is, it doesn't matter uh who who her co star is or whatever, you know the arc. You know how that movie's gonna go. As an action star like enough was the first one that I saw that she, that she did uh, an action movie in, and and I really didn't know. I mean, again, that was I was probably like at that point like eleven or twelve, but I didn't know how the movie was gonna go. You know what I'm saying? Like Made in Manhattan or whatever. Like any of those movies you've seen with her like that, you you know how it's gonna go. She's gonna end up with the guy at the end, and it's all good. Like, but. You know things like that is is actually intriguing, and I was watching uh, the mother the other day, and I was and I was I was pleasantly surprised by what I was watching because I didn't think that it was gonna be a good movie, but it was very very well done, very well done. So and she was believable in that as that character. So I, I I'm 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 not mad at the idea of seeing more action movies from from J Lo. Um. So- so I have never seen a Jennifer Lopez movie. Okay, so that's fair. I I I. <laughs> so I I cannot say <laughs> whether or not your take is is hot or or, or reasonable. Okay. So I'll have Chris, you know, t- take the reins. Take the reins here. <laughs> I, honestly, I feel like this isn't exclusive to J Lo. I feel like this is just a critique of the genre, right? Like I, I even thinking of um jennifer lawrence like i feel like jennifer lawrence is in the same category right as far in mm, my opinion that's fair. uh that's so fair. so yeah I, I feel like this might be more of a critique on the genre than the individual um but my hot take on j-lo shout out jenny from the block right i can't hate too much right uh, it, it yeah. hits close to home as a puerto rican from new york right i can't yeah. i can't talk too much <laughs> shit because trust me um trying to say how how respectfully i can say this many a nights have been spent thinking about jennifer lopez i just got to make that very clear uh but she's a terrible 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 actress in my opinion and I, i'll just say that as as frank as possible and yeah. um she's an even worse um that, okay i'm gonna i'm gonna leave it at that but i singer. think i yeah, yeah 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 i think she's a, a much better live performer than singer and everyone understands why so 
Uh, with all that being yeah. said, good luck, J-Lo, because <laughs> no matter what, there will never be a shortage of work for you, I promise. <laughs> That's hilarious. All right, Matt. Go ahead and kick us off in <laughs> round two, man. All right. Um... <laughs> All right, I think I'm gonna dread saying this, um, because I I I think this might actually get a a specific reaction out of you guys. Um, the Amazing Spider-Man is the best Spider-Man movie. Yeah, so I'll have that sink in for a little bit in case any of you guys That's are ready to jump at it with uh, Garfield. Andrew Garfield. Yep. So, better than Toby. I don't, I don't think you believe this. I don't think I you don't. I it doesn't. It no doesn't way. feel like it. It doesn't feel like it. <laughs> How is it better than any of the other ones? I mean, uh, I think just for like from a pure performance perspective, and I, I was actually thinking about it. So like, I think I'm actually I'm taking out. So this is like for live action to be specific. Because mm. the animations, like Inter Spider Verse and Cross Spider Verse, they're in a league of their own, <laughs> quite honestly. Um, so for the purposes of of live action Spider Man movies, just to make it make it clear, obviously, um, the reason being is I think there's a bit of bias in it, and I've thought about this for like a little while now. So Andrew Garfield was was my Spider Man, um, because I was born in two thousand two. I can't really say Toby was mine. Technically speaking, and the first Spider-Man movie I watched in theaters was The Amazing Spider-Man. I remember liking it growing up, and then I revisited it, uh, I think a couple months ago, it dropped on Netflix. I think now it's on Disney+, Plus. so if I ever wanted to revisit it again. But I think, not only is Andrew Garfield, like, the best Spider-Man, but I think he gives the best, he gives the best performance out of the three, the main three. He's way better than Toby, who was obviously in an era where superhero films or really films in general had a had a cheesy appeal that had a certain 2000s appeal that can't exactly be replicated into modern day and i think for tom holland while he definitely has a lot of areas in his his performance um, especially in no way home uh, where I, I think right away of like aunt may's death and obviously um sort of his, his lat does lash out against norman at the end of the movie for example um i think andrew like even though the writing, like especially for Spider Man two, <laughs> which was, you know, awful to say the least. Like he definitely elevates the writing to a, to really a whole different level. I think the core relationship between Gen and Andrew is far more compelling than Mary Jane, and um, Peter in the first film or in, in the first uh, in Guire trilogy, way more compelling than MJ and Tom Tom Spider Man, in the MCU. Um, I think even though the villain is arguably one of the weakest, if not the weakest, quite frankly, I think that it still presents a situation that, you know, is it's still Spider-Man-esque. I think there are definitely a lot of cool sequences that they have in the film that simply weren't around really in the MCU, for example, minus a few, minus a few scenes. Um, I think visually, uh, especially with the way they incorporated uh, visual effects is by far the best um, across all the trilogies or, well, my back in Spider-Man. Um, and so, yeah, I think side characters work very well in the movie. Um, I think Aunt May, too, we had the best version of Aunt May in the Major Spider-Man. I think we 
you know, I think Gwen Stacy's father was a really a fairly decent, if not really good, a supporting character who you definitely understood his perspective and obviously seen the dynamic play out between Peter um, and Gwen Stacy's father in the movie was very interesting. Um, so yeah. That's my that's my argument. I just at, at the at the conclusion of the second round, I'm surprised that I'm not as angry at you as I thought I would be. I'll say that. Um, thinking you're wrong and being angry is two different things, right? So yeah, I, yeah. I definitely, I definitely don't agree. Um, I feel like I, because of the context, right, and this being your sort of introduction, right, it makes a lot of sense in that yeah. way. So I'm not yeah. hating on it. It's I don't. Once again, I still don't feel like that's a bad movie, right? I, I don't. But. Um, I, I just can't agree, man. I just cannot agree. There's there's a level of nuance that that Toby has that I feel like is missing. Um, but hey, uh, whenever I for some reason whenever I think of Andrew Garfield, the cat goes with the duck, right? And, that, and you have no idea what I'm talking about right now, right? But like, stick with me here. Stick with me here. Aflac, the 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 the, oh. the prominent duck, Andrew Garfield has flat affect. With majority of things he says, so I'm not I'm not a big fan. But um, once again, with all the context, I would say it makes sense. Uh, but I I don't agree. Fair enough. Fair enough. Derek. Yeah, I don't I don't agree either. Um, but fun <laughs> fact: Did you know that Tom Holland is as old as Tobey Maguire was when he debuted as Spider Man? Hmm. He's no, twenty. That's, now he's twenty seven cool. years old. So yeah, that. Very, very interesting to see how they look at 27, how different they look yeah. uh, at 27. But yeah, I definitely don't. I obviously don't agree. And Tom Holland is the best Spider-Man and the movies are the better ones. So yeah. to me, but wow. I, I definitely understand, you know, your I, I agree with That's you, Peter Derek. And, and, and I have that. I, I rank Toby series second. And it's still yes. above Andrew Garfield, so yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Honestly, yeah. I'll even go even harder. I think Amazing Spider-Man 2 is probably better. No, I'm joking. No, no, I'm not yeah, I was about to say, Jamie, Jamie yeah. Foxx's hair in that one automatically just lowers it from anything. Yeah. That was a horrible costume. Andrew deserves a third movie. I'm sorry. He deserves a movie with a... He deserves to get the symbiote, have him sort of uh, be a vengeance-driven story where the symbiote sort of really enhances his anger after looting Gwen Stacy. Be interesting, but they're not gonna do it, so it's okay. No, but... they're not. They're not. <laughs> okay. All right, Chris. Uh, I'm gonna grab the bull by the horns here, right? Because somebody, <laughs> somebody needs to get upset by the end of this episode, and I think I'm gonna do it. I think I'm gonna fucking do it. Um, so I could have went a lot of ways with this one. Thought about a lot of prominent franchises. Thought about a lot of individual TV shows I could talk about too. Uh, but instead of going that route, I'm gonna go broader here. Um, and this is pre-COVID. This is pre-COVID, just to give you a little idea of where this might be heading. Um, going to the movie theater is entirely, entirely an ass-backwards experience. The what? reason why, the reason why, what? hear me out, hear me out. Yes, yes, 100%. The reason why I will never, and I, I agree with this to this point, you will never see me in a movie theater watching a premiere of a movie ever again, uh, frankly, ever again. Um, is is this reason now? I understand the camaraderie. I understand the the aspect of of being able to enjoy this in a group in a group of uh, a group of other people, right? Um, there is no parallel when it comes to the setup I have 
and the, the, the sound that I have and the comfort with which I can lay in my own home and watch a movie to gain that same level of enjoyment. Yeah, me personally, I don't, I don't need the crescendo of other people's applause to make me recognize a moment as being special. And frankly, I don't like being in a room full of people that are frankly unpredictable, that I don't know what is going on. And, and most importantly, this is the most important aspect for me when it comes to the movie going experience. Everything is sticky. You're, you're, there's, I'm, I'm pretty sure someone at some point has fucked in this very seat that I'm sitting in as I am stepping on the, on the ground that is dried soda that I, every time I make a movement here on top of, on top of, and this is my favorite part, um, I'm not a I'm not a person that bitches about disruptions, right? If anything, I, I think I talk a lot of shit when I go to movies, right? So I, I might be annoying some people. Um, but most importantly, if if I ever am in a situation besides live sporting events where I have to cater to families of irresponsible parents with bastard children walking no. past my aisle con constantly forcing me out of my element while I'm trying to watch this movie, um, I'm, I might lose my shit. So a movie going as an event, as a spectacle where I'm spending upwards of $50 to watch a movie that I could have watched in the comfort of my own home is a waste of my time, friends. So fuck the movie theaters. AMC, I hope you go under. Catch you guys next time. Um, There's okay, so much so... wrong with what you said. I mean, <laughs> I I don't know where to begin. Like, <laughs> I do. I do. <laughs> you're not you're not doing it right. Hmm. Yeah, I, I was... I, yeah. I'm willing to bet you sit somewhere in the middle... Like, not all the way to the top, but not all the way down to the bottom rows. You're somewhere no. in like the middle rows. Where are you sitting? I'm I'm a back middle kind of guy. Okay, you're on the last row, middle. Underneath uh, the yeah, yeah. Okay, that's the best viewing spot. One, but two, you're going at the wrong time, bro. <laughs> you're going at the wrong time. I go to the theaters when there's. I love to go to those movies when there's nobody there. So matinees, no, you get a day, you get a day off, you get a day off during the week or whatever. Take a day, do PTO or whatever. But you can only do this like select movies because not every movie deserves to to be in the theaters, in my opinion. Um, I I think comedies is, I think comedies are overrated for theaters. But I think that uh, action movies. Especially like what we talking about with the MCU, uh, that's that's a theater experience, and and you have to at least see it once on the big screen before you see it at home. Um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I think you're just doing it wrong, bro. I think, I think you're going at the wrong time. Yeah, you're going you're going like when the movie comes out type of thing. You got to go like a couple weeks after the movie comes out. Mm. When, when everybody's already seen the movie, go see it at that point where you can enjoy it by yourself, type of thing. Like there are certain movies that need to be seen on the big screen. Yeah, they and need it, to be. and if I can add to that point too, like because Spider Man's in my head right now, No Way Home, for instance. Mm. Like when Andrew Garfield appears and Tobey Maguire appears, those moments mm. are so awkward because you hear no crowd eruption, 
And a lot of films are like that because you can tell like when yeah, they're sort of setting up some big reveals that are not quite as impactful as if you were to watch it live in a theater with other people. You understand? Think about the I, I, I watch movies actors. with other people, but I, I, well, I don't know other random people. people I don't know. Uh, you know, I, and it's all a competency experience. And I think in another aspect you mentioned was like the stickiness of the seats. That's why you bring Clorox wipes. <laughs> like the floor is sticky too, though. I'm not going to clean the floor sticky. for you guys. Oh no, no. no. Yeah. Take this, literally when you go to the, if you go to the theaters, bring Clorox wipes, wipe that down, have some nice hand sanitizer to be on a safe side. That's it. When in yeah, past, you gonna, my, well, you my mom, in the wet spot. No, it dries up quick. Clorox wipes dry quick. They take take a few seconds. Okay. You know what I mean? Like that's that's why I've done in the past. They 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 usually dry up like pretty quick, and they're not like. It's not like freshly wet, pause. But it's like, uh, <laughs> I, I would I would argue it is um, with with other with other substances. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus. But and then <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is taking a we're we're turn. Um, and then <laughs> the, uh, the unpredictability unpredictability aspect I think is applicable to like every single scenario. Like especially since you know you're growing up in the city, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, like that this is life. You know what I mean? Like I go into the, go to a restaurant. Like I work in a daycare, and you know, like I I'll, right out of the gate, like I've gotten used to unpredictability because you know some kids are are willing to listen, some kids aren't. Some kids are trying to freaking like lick the walls and freaking like climb up bookshelves, and you know, like sometimes you just have to accept that there's unpredictability, you know, and oh. not let that deter you from oh. from the experience. And like restaurants are a prime example. Like you know how many times our parents are sort of like. You know, forced to bring a child along because maybe they didn't have a babysitter, or maybe they just wanted to bring their baby along just so you know it it no. gets exposed to the environment or whatever. I mean, you get to the no, if you have well, a young, it's, a good, kid, it's actually a good thing you do that because you make sure you get used to allergens and stuff. We're not talking about science, but anyways, um, basically, <laughs> no. Like, but I agree with that on Chris. So with him on that, if you have a young kid, don't bring it to the theater, especially if you know that this this kid cannot sit still and oh. and, and makes too much noise. You better not bring your kids to that so theater. I, like, I, I 100% agree. I just don't think it happens as often because you have to think about the timing. If you're doing a late night review, I can 1000% promise you there is not a single kid under the age of seven that is in that movie theater. Oh, there's the late, no chance. The late, like in the late night shows, no way. One o'clock, two o'clock on a, on, a, on a Saturday and Sunday, get those earmuffs or walk get out that earmuffs. theater. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah. Yeah, I, I, but at the same time, Chris, uh, obviously, I, I disagree, but I do understand sort of the, the points you brought up to the conversation. I, I just think for me, you know, I, I've watched movies and theaters for, for years now, and so it, it definitely holds a special place in my heart, you know, um, and everything. But I, I think this, the, the sticking to the seat, so I think it is, is a very important point. AMC, you gotta get your shit together. You know, you don't want customers to be. Everything is either sticky or wet. I gotta say that. And yeah. honestly, I I, yeah. I think this is more so a nostalgia thing than anything as far as far as what's keeping you guys wrapped into this movie theater experience because yeah. everything else is replicate repli- you can easily replicate at home and, mm-hmm. and have the same exact conditions. I think it's more so like the routine of it, the the I'm gonna get this and this and eat this while I'm watching it. Like everything is sort of formulaic, right? And I think that the nostalgia of that is what sets us apart more so than 
the actual experience, especially when you consider the inflation of it. Like when I was younger, as far as prices, I think this it's a more affordable, reasonable thing to do. Like now, five bucks. now you cannot ask me to go to the movies. Like you really cannot. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think I will at this point Perfect. in my life. Bro, I'm telling you, matinee is, it... is like ten bucks. Nine, yeah. ten bucks. I, I'll go to a matinee in a heartbeat. Like when I can, if I can make it. Yeah. Yeah. Nine, ten Actually, bucks. And I, that's, I think. That's it. In the in the expenses thing, I, I think that that's a valid point to bring up, right? Like, and I, you sneak I, in your own snacks. I always so sneak. I, in I was gonna I was gonna bring it up like like yesterday. <laughs> oh, real cinema, don't sue me. But I literally I went to the the corner store that they have in the in the mall. I brought a pop tarts. <laughs> Put them right in my pocket. How dare you? Walk right what in. flavor? This is important. Pop on Sunday. That's the only oh, one I can have. Okay. Why? It doesn't have milk. Oh. Did you, did you know that? No, you guys know that. That's the you only. You would think that would be the one with the milk, yeah. right? Yeah, that's, that's why I thought. Yeah, that is strawberry. They don't have milk, uh, and maybe cinnamon, but yeah, it's the only one that doesn't have guaranteed eggs and milk in it. It has mm, just wheat and soy. Really? Yeah, just a little fun fact. I, I found out about oh, that because I, gra- I grabbed the I grabbed the box like um this was like years ago. I grabbed it and I was like, but that was like a typo. So I went and grabbed another box. And I was like, oh shit, you know, like oh, I can have it. You know, but, um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, that's why you get your girl a big purse. Um, yeah. I got one for you. I think that Grandpa Joe and Willy Wonka is a poor excuse of a man. <laughs> I think Grandpa Joe needs to go to hell. I think he's a horrible character because he... <laughs> Look... He sat, he laid in that bed for, I think, like 20 years, if I'm not mistaken. 20 years with his wife and in-laws, right? No one could walk. His daughter was was out doing like two or three jobs, working her hands to the bone. And and uh, now all of a sudden when Charlie gets the, 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 the golden ticket, now this dude just pops up out the bed. Now he can swing on the bedpost and run around and walk. Poor excuse of a man. Poor excuse of a man. And it was a horrible character. I, 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 he did nothing for that movie to me but irritate me. And I, I, I hate Grandpa Joe. Chris, if you want to go ahead, because Derek is talking mad shit about one of my favorite movies of all time right now. I'm not going to stand for it. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. I wanted to be upset, right? Like on, on the initial part of the rant, but you spoke to me, man. I agree. I agree. I you have Thank made you. me a believer. There, there is not. I, I need nothing else. And on top of that, <laughs> let let's be real here too. That's a little bit of ethical concerns here, as far as yes. the logistics here, right? Yeah. I'm not. I'm not dropping off my kid alone, right? I'm. I'm a part of this, right? I'm. Yes. I'm a part of this shit. So yeah, yes. No, I agree with you. Yeah. Derek. Let's see. Let's they, see. They, nah, nah, <laughs> this needs to be. Their... <laughs> this needs to be a part of the actual thumbnail. Like we need. We need yeah. Matt right here. <laughs> Whoa, we need this a part of the listen, listen, Matt. Listen. Just they literally sat there. They literally sat there and ate cabbage soup for how long? Come on, Are bro. You, Have you ever had man, cabbage soup? This, this man could, and probably wasn't even seasoned. You know they didn't season their food. Come on. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing, not even hot sauce. Grandpa okay, Joe, do you understand hell. that like he he has supported 
Charlie, the film literally establishes the fact that he has actively supported Charlie and his decisions for years on end, and that what he, you're supposed to do. He was bedridden. That's the bare minimum. But then, but then, okay, <laughs> you know he. Wait, you can't force you from a man. There's an example of the movie where he literally off, like he like literally offered him the. Char- Let me look this shit up real quick. He literally offered the man money. <laughs> offered his god, like grand, grandson or, money. Or wouldn't you do that bar. if they going on a trip? Isn't that standard Just, practice? Isn't he say? paralyzed or something like that? He can't walk, right? Yeah, but but if you recall correctly, when Charlie asked, you know, I would love for you to come along, and then Grandpa Joe would say, you know what, let me let me try it out, and then you, there's a very you could argue that uh, it's like a fantastic film. That was meant to be taken seriously. No, you That's don't go from, from like, walking like Bambi, a newborn deer. To all of a sudden swinging on a bedpost. It's a musical. Bro. So, prime example. That's fun fact. What? I, I talked. I talk, It is a musical. No, no, no. That it doesn't matter. Is a, is a it does not matter. Musical, it does not matter. You're, bro, it's, but the thing is, you're, he's you're been sitting like, in bed for how long? He cannot he, he walk. Will, he cannot okay. work. That was there, the presumption. The assumption. The, right. Okay. He cannot walk. He cannot work. He is a poor excuse of a man. No. His daughter was literally working multiple jobs to support a household of six. Six. Her husband died. Also, he literally like he literally went and like found a way to get his like own gra- like uh, grandson, his uh his uh grandson a, a chocolate bar. Wait, like and that's the thing too. There's an entire sequence of him literally trying to stand up momentarily and then him having to get caught by his daughter and his grandson. And that he literally has, literally, there's an entire musical sequence around him being able to walk again because he wants to be there in support of his grandson. Miraculously, because his his grandson got a golden ticket. But what does he gain out of it? The entire family gains it. You act like the man is literally going to freaking hijack the fucking, like, uh, uh, the chocolatey chalk chalk, the the factory. I'm I'm so freaking living right now. I didn't even use the right word. The chocolate factory. (laughs) The the freaking chocolate factory's, um, like, fortune and take off with it, bro. Like, he literally hugs his son at the end of the movie. He's not a Portuguese of a man. He's a man who very literally said, you know what? Fuck this shit. I'm going to get up. I'm going to be there in support of my grandson no matter what. Wait, 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 wait. So, so, so hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. His daughter working multiple jobs. Okay, but you're under the assumption didn't that motivate him enough attempt- to learn to walk again. You're under the assumption that he never once prior to the movie attempted to do to help his daughter. You understand how stubborn the mother could because uh, again like we didn't really like like uh, explore the mother obviously like a ton of ton but there could be a stubbornness on her hand because obviously i can imagine that having what? you know four grit yes 100 look at matt blaming women again look, no. look, at, look no. at this look I, at I, this I know, i'm not blaming <laughs> I'm, no i'm blaming i'm saying from my perspective right like if i have four elderly people in bed i'm not gonna have them work a day even if they can or cannot work i'm not doing that to them that's Grandpa an example Joe of stubbornness. Could have at least because there is at the store a, where it was. I wouldn't let him work at the candy store. I would not let him work. Why? It's my responsibility. He he's done. Oh, no. he's retired. It, that's my responsibility. No. That's what I'm saying. The stubbornness. It was comes his in. responsibility to get the shit together you know before that? he had the motherfucking kids, so he didn't have to be in this goddamn position. Okay, you understand just... that like they probably had a small fortune and then they just like got into poverty. Like that's the, there's so many illogical. Like no, we're not doing this. No, <laughs> it's a fucking it has to go musical, bro. What are you doing, bro? You act like it's a freaking Godfather Part Two, and like Daniel showed up and like snapped everybody. Like, bro, it's not that. Like, you act like the like, dude. He, he is not the main villain, uh, but he yeah. is an antagonist. 
for sure. He well, is he not a protagonist. Grandpa Joe, it's a Grandpa great Joe, did not walk no. until that boy got that golden ticket because he literally got asked by Charlie, "Hey, can you like? I would love for you to like to come." And he said, "Pause. I would love for you to go with me to the factory." You know, would you like, to, would you like to like come to the factory with me? And that he literally says, "I can't. I'm sorry, my legs don't work." And then he said, "Let me try." He's like, "No, you can't." And they have an entire musical sequence of him learning how to walk again and to be able to move fluidly. My, and my problem is, it took that for him to decide. Hey, let me see if I can walk. Not the the daughter working multiple jobs. Uh, and only bringing back. You don't know minimum. that though. And also, we have a freaking. Well, mm, eh, never mind. I was gonna say we have a Wonka prequel coming out, but that's about Willy Wonka, so we'll, Charlie won't want to show up. But yeah, yeah. Um, I was gonna, I was gonna stupidly say that in the prequel they show like the, the grandfather, but no, no, obviously won't happen. But no, I just you can you could like say oh it's kind of a, like kind of weird. I don't know. I, I just why do you like him? him? Like uh, explain yeah, to me why please. why he's a good character. I mean, More than anything, there's a lot of like. I feel like everything I said it, it really rings true as to why he's a good character. Just the act of support that he showed his son, the fact that he was there for him every step of the way, the fact that he opened the first chocolate bar with him, the fact that he went out of his way to get a chocolate bar for him, probably through much like because obviously they have minimal savings, and there's a good chance it wasn't with, every uh, step of the way until that boy got that golden ticket. I I decide I I I don't know. It, it's, a, it's it's a, it's a musical man. Like I I don't, I don't know what to say. That's gonna be one of my new like, uh, my lines throughout the show. When when we're we're going too far, I'm just gonna be like, it's a musical, man. Like, yeah, gone. It's okay, bro. And honestly, like that's hypocritical too, because I know I've talked a lot of shit about musicals, man. And uh, (laughs) and Willy Wonka, my one of my favorite movies of all time. Hey man, thank you, Derek. No problem. No problem. Yo, a uh, uh, pathetic excuse, but like it's the fact that you said that. Like, what the fuck? Like the man, uh, that's crazy. What is he? Bro. What is that? What has he done? How about that? What has the he fact done? that he that he like? It's not even the fact that you said like Grandpa Cho. Like you could have said Willy Wonka is is a dog shit movie. No, it's not. All right, you know what? I'll say I disagree. Let, let's get into it. Why? Why do you think that is? They ain't talk about Grandpa Joe. That's where you draw. And you go, he's a what was it? You said like pathetic excuse of a man or something like that. I'm like excuse of a man. I said what I said, bro. Dude, Grandpa Joe is horrible. He's horrible. Look, like I'm sorry. If you have a three letter first name, we got problems already. Like, like you are not. You clearly not established. First name is Grandpa. You got a three letter first name. You are not established as a human being, let alone a man. So please, I, I just I can't do it, bro. I can't do it. I can't do it. Yeah, Joe, Grandpa Joe is is horrible. I can't rock with him. I oh, rocked man. with him when I was a kid, but then then he was irresponsible in the chocolate factory. Like, actually, like instead of just staying with the group, like you're supposed to do. This man's got this boy walking around, almost getting killed by a giant fan because they want to go play with bubbles. Grandpa Joe. Actually, well, who instigated that though? Because I, I can't remember. I think was it. He said, "Hey, Charlie." Oh no, because he okay. So okay, but that's not that doesn't make a, a pathetic excuse for a man like you. No, that does. That just makes him irresponsible. 
No, I'm saying that's that just makes it irresponsible. That's okay, okay. So if you're gonna yeah, bring that, okay, yeah. I was gonna say because that's kind of yeah. like not a, like a fair criticism because I think all of us. No. Shit, we're fucking talking about a musical bro. We're talking about all right. You know what? That's, all right. <laughs> I was really about to compare it to real life and go like in depth, uh, offer like some freaking like life lesson. Like it's a musical. Like <laughs> I don't know what to say anymore. It's a great movie. <laughs> Grandpa Joe the Goat, and it is what it is. The goat is crazy, bro. That is unfounded love right there. But I oh, guess goat, I guess fault. that's how most of our relationships are. I'm ready to see that Willie Wonka right? was a pathetic excuse unfounded for a man. Love. I can understand that because the man freaking he was. You know, you know, I just found out the origin of Willie Wonka was, and that threw me way off. I, I apparently the 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 um the Oompa Loompas were actually pygmies. So he took uh took these what's that the Oompa Loompas pygmies just uh um. Uh, Small people, but they were uh, they're black, and and it was a, a tribe of people in Africa. And oh, in the, book, the original book, Willy Wonka stole these people from Africa to work for him in his factory. That's the origin of yeah of, of Willy Wonka. And they they, they so, changed that for the for the remake. For the, the remake was more based yeah. on the book. Um, <clears throat> yeah. I didn't know that. I actually, I did not know that was the original. I just found original it. Order. I just found that out. Yeah, I just Damn, found that out. That, that threw me way off. Damn. Yep. They don't apply that. In the, they don't apply that in the actual seventies movie, right? No, it no, was no, implied no. that like he sort of like brought him in. Yeah, like basically, like like uh, like like. I mean, with it, free will. It's like, not like, implied that they're like. Yeah. I... I don't think we have an idea of their labor relations. Uh, oh, <laughs> it's, yeah. not, it's not clearly <laughs> okay. defined. No, because I was to gonna me, say you're there's, about there's the no union. You're about you to make it no. ruin, like ruin the whole. I was like, are you serious? This entire movie, like, we've been praising for years, end up having themes of slavery. I'm like, Jesus. No, no. I mean, Seeing the truth though, about, but the book definitely does. Joshua yeah. No, I actually, I, I did not know that though. That's um, it's not really interesting. That's kind of just like, oh. I mean, I don't know. It depends on what how the book was executing it. Like maybe they wanted to to show how yeah. Willie's nah. Willie's ambition. You're digging a hole, brother. This yeah. is not it's the no, not the route to go. No, 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 no. I was saying, <laughs> no, no. I was saying, I was saying, like from the. It depends on like if the, uh, either the the author was racist, or the simple fact is that they're trying to show how like someone's ambition really gets in the way of like other people. You know, like you go out of your way to ruin someone's life because of something that you want, which is which is wrong, obviously, but. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that, that, that's, what, that's what I'm trying to say. You know what I mean? I get where you're coming from, but not, it's not, it's I just not told them, with this one. Yeah. Yeah. No, the the guy's just racist. Is. So, yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. He's racist. Yeah, Luke Walker yeah. is racist. And Grandpa Joe is a horrible excuse of a man. And we will see you guys after our break. We'll be right back. Yeah. <laughs> hey, what's going on, guys? It's your boy Dwayne from Pastor Ox and Life's a Botch podcast. I'm coming to you with a real dope advertisement if you got a moment. Can we do that? Peep this. Yo, you tired of that uncomfortable feeling with your undergarments? You, you know what I'm talking about. Like, literally having to adjust so it gets real comfortable in between the, you know, the real safe space. Or maybe just wedgies from it just going underneath, you know what I mean? All that, all that. Let's keep it in 100. Y'all know how I'm feeling. Y'all know how that feeling goes. Well, I want to introduce to you the ultimate solution. Coming from the number one premium and fit athletic wear just for you. I'm talking about none other than Champ Number One Boxers. Champ Number One Boxers is a black-owned underwear brand, okay? They literally specify in giving you the most top-notch, high-quality, premium, adjustable, and fittable, and totally comfortable 
undergarment wear that is just for you. Not only is it something that you can wear, feel good in, feel confident in, and love, but it's also high quality, feels good, and on, most importantly, it is definitely fashionable, okay? Comes in a different, wide variety of so many different styles and themes to these undergarments. Something to make you look good, feel good, and swag real good in the process, all right? So, again, did I did I get to mention that this is also a black-owned brand? It's a black-owned brand, y'all, so if nothing else, definitely go support that 100%. So, what I want to do is I want to tell you, Head on over to OTS Media Co. on all social platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. If you go over, you click the link in the bios, it'll take you straight to the Champ Number One Boxers website. You can check out all their styles, you can check out their bundle deals, you can check out why this brand exists, what it's all about, and trust me when I say you do not want to miss out on the types of opportunities going on right now on the site. Champ Number One Boxers. Make sure you do it for the champ in your life if you ain't already doing it for yourself, champ, all right? Champ number one boxers, make sure you go cop those, all right? All right. So as we return for our second part of this trilogy, really excited to discuss Godfather 2. The story revolves around the continuing saga of the Corleone family as we tell the story of a young Vito Corleone growing up in Sicily in the 1910s and eventually coming over to New York, as well as following Michael Corleone in the 1950s as he attempts to expand the family business into Las Vegas, Hollywood, and Cuba. Now, obviously, traditional sequels um, are just that, but this, at the same time, is a sequel and a prequel. Um, so I think it's only natural that we start our discussion of the movie and its execution there. So please, just really interested to hear how you guys feel about watching a movie like this, right? Because there's not a lot of movies that exist uh, that are a similar concept. And I thought it, it's a huge ask, right? Um, but I thought it was done extremely well. So what, what are your guys' thoughts on the format of the film? Yeah, I think it's... Um... It's obviously much different than part one uh, in that regard. I think that's what makes it a stronger movie, in my opinion, is, you know, sort of incorporating two two of these major storylines. You know, I, I think it could go one or two ways, right? You know, either one is significantly weaker than the other, or both of them are just as strong. And then at that point, if they're both, you know, done at a very high level, you sort of debate on uh, which one is. And for me, it, it's difficult to determine which one is, I think, because, you know, I, I've gravitated towards, you know, like, Al Pacino's character, after having watched the first one, it's easy for me to say, like, oh, like, you know, freaking, um, look at this, uh, Mike, like, Michael's storyline is significantly better, like, oh my goodness, like, seeing him transcend to the total monster, yada, yada, but then on the flip side, too, you know, you obviously have a younger version of Don, or, you know, and then, it's like, oh, wow, it's interesting to sort of see how he became the man we saw in the, in the first film, you know? And this was very interesting, too. It's kind of like, you know, I never expected the, the movie to go in this direction, you know, for them to literally do flashbacks prior to both movies and then um, have the storyline pick up after the first. So it was, it was really interesting and obviously brilliantly done, as I'm sure we'll, we'll both say. But, yeah, that's what I'll say. So. 
Yeah, I um, this one is uh, I think this one was my favorite of the of the trilogy, um, but there, the storytelling. You're right, uh, Chris, that this was both a, a sequel and a prequel, but um. I love how it, it filled us in on a story, sort of like what you were talking about um, beforehand um, uh, with the Marvel stuff, but like filling you in on the before without it feeling like so um, so taxing, right? So like this with finding out Vito's uh, origin story and all that stuff at the same time as we're 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 getting more information on Michael's story and how he is becoming, you know, as, as he is the, the Godfather. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm not sure how many years are in between the, the, in terms of story, how many years are in between the first and second films, but it does take a time uh, jump um, between films. And it's just interesting to see um, the progression and, 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 um, you know everybody's storyline uh, in this one. Um, I know we, Chris, you and I talked about it for the first one, uh, but I thought that um, you know, of course, we get a little more of of his sister. I forget her name, um, but we get more of her story um, with this um, than we did in the first one, and she didn't feel as so so much as a, a damsel in distress type of character. Um, sorry, I. I I appreciated that, but I, this one was just, it's just amazing. Uh, Robert De Niro does a phenomenal job as Vito. And I think probably the only person that could have filled in that, that, that space and felt just as, you know, um, uh, just as big as Marlon Brando was with that character. You know, I, I, I kind of, um, it was it was a very seamless transition, even though we're talking about a prequel for his story. Um, it's a seamless transition, so from what you already know is going on. For sure. And I think the task of what this movie's being asked to do, I know we got three hours to do it, right? But yeah. the task is so big. And the fact that I mean, having the foil between the two godfathers and their sort of establishing moments, right? I think that really drives the story the the story forward as far as like uh almost like a rooting for these people uh situation right because at the yeah. end of the day not everything that um this family does is something that we should be rooting for right so um and, and i think that's a big part of sort of why we love them right we understand their motives we understand how they got to these points um mm -hmm. and i think that really sets the stage so well for the many different points in the film where either someone was betrayed or someone is plotting their vengeance, right? That's like mm -hmm. a, a through line throughout the entire film. Um, so having all that exposition in a way that drives the story forward and it doesn't feel slow for a three hour plus movie, it's not a yeah. slow movie. Like it, it yeah. it's moving. Um, so obviously that's, that's all positives and, and things to look forward to as far as what makes this movie so good and what sets it to, sets it apart is I think just really establishing a lot of family tropes, right? Like I, I think specifically with Fredo and his storyline 
and the way he fits into the family. I think all of us can relate to this, right? In some way, whether or not we had some grand betrayal, right? We, we all see family members going in different directions, right? And it definitely impacts you, right? It, it definitely impacts you in seeing um, how things are changing versus the image you had of this person, right? Growing up um, and having to confront those two things, I thought was super powerful. And then obviously leading to that infamous moment, um, I, I, I just want to go into an anecdote, right? Because this is what we did last time, right? Yeah, I'm just excited yeah, to yeah. talk about things and, and go into these different uh, portions of the story. Um, but before we get to Fredo and that situation, as far as like the Don, um, how do you, I, I always say this, right? Fanucci, the Don, the Don Fanucci storyline yeah. with Vito. Yeah. Um, I just want to say, I, I watched this movie for the first time in high school with a bunch of people that hated the uh, Italian speaking scenes because they had to read. And, and I thought that was dumb. Um, I personally really am a fan of those older scenes, right. And showing these different things because obviously we want to know more about him. And in some ways he's the most important character in Godfather one. Um, but just getting to understand how, he got to the point that he was his origin story is so dark dude like that whole that whole scene and the literally the way the movie opens uh super impactful seeing his mother get killed after his father got killed at, at, right in front of like it's your whole family gets wiped out in in the matter of one scene right in front of you and in my opinion he should have died right there Right. Like like we being real, he probably should have died right there. I don't know what stroke of miracle allowed him to get out of it. Um, but from that point forward, no matter what, I'm constantly rooting for him. Um, and I just want to say shout out to uh, Francis Ford Coppola for continuing that theme with the oranges. Right. Because it, yeah. when it when it came down to the final assassination attempt, uh, I, I love that he wrapped the gun in the towel as well. But when it came down to that, uh, we obviously saw that moment where he's there and he has the, the um, he buys the oranges from a street vendor right before um, sort of plotting the assassination and then going through with it. So I just love that those through notes for, for a series of films still exist and they're so subtle, right? It's not, it's not as if it's ever explicitly told, but, when, whenever these things continue to come across and it's consistent in any film, if you can do it once, that's fucking mm -hmm. phenomenal. If you can do that throughout multiple films, uh, super, super well executed. So I, I was just a big fan of the prequel side of things uh, without even mentioning the, the sort of current day Michael stuff. Yeah, and I, I think what I also appreciate too is that these films carry a lot of themes, betrayal, revenge, uh, the American Dream, particularly with Vito's storyline or Don Vito. Um, and so, something like I always think about, like, the, there's a Family Guy episode where they made fun of The Godfather and Peter goes, like, I didn't like it because it assists upon itself. Um, and this is not the case. I think, you know, both the first and obviously I kind of want to keep the conversation on the second here is that all the things presented are done in a very, in a surprisingly subtle way. And I think there's more of a focus on character depth and really allowing us as an audience to really understand the significance of what's taking place rather than trying to tell us, hey, make sure you feel this or, hey, this is what the teen is about. I think that's one of the you know beauties. I think there are a lot of various motifs used in this movie. I think of the use of windows 
for example, I think even one of the initial scenes where we see Vito um, seeing like the sat was it the Statue of Liberty for the first time as well. I think you know, for me, I think it's like that kind of filmmaking is something I appreciate because I think is it not only important for us to sort of, um, I think it's important for us to really feel what the characters are feeling and had you know be sort of given an understanding of oh so this is the direction that they're gonna they're, they want to take with their lives and you know i think having a good introduction is, is important to that because we're going to be following in this case some of these characters for over three hours long you know so i think that's um something that i appreciated very much about this movie real quick before we move on because i i don't want to forget um, I don't know if you remember when the doctor was examining Vito for, for right right before he's that scene of seeing that at Ellis Island. Um, mm -hmm. He was marked with an X. Do any of you guys have any idea what that means or what what that would mean? Death. Uh, ooh, that's a, that's polio? a that's a good guess. Uh, both of you guys have good guesses. Apparently, um, at Ellis Island, if you were marked with something like that, they they were flagging you as being either potentially to have a mental ailment or a physical ailment that could cause dangers to others. So I, I would assume um, that was alluding to, so obviously, the, the things he and trauma he's been through. I mean, he looks all fucked up from the beginning, right? Just very much so like Andrew Garfield, flat affect, right? Got, got nothing going on up there. Um, and, and, and he looks broken. Um, so yeah. I, I thought that was a super cool inclusion of historical accuracies um, as far as him being marked in that way. But anyway, wow. go ahead, Derek. No, that oh, was wow. good. That was good. Were you saying something about? Oh no, you go ahead, Derek. No, 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 I was just saying that that was that was a that was a good point. I didn't I didn't even uh to be honest, I didn't even see the that mark. I was just I think I was more so paying attention to the the surrounding uh his surroundings at that point uh as well. But yeah, no, that that's that's a really good good point. I think also too like um, this is something that I I discovered uh, because of watching a, like like a few scenes uh, from the Sopranos. I think there's like a point. It just reminded me because uh, Chris mentions like the X. Um, apparently, whenever oranges are shown in like mafia films or TV films, that means death is coming essentially. Um, you know. So I, I anyways, I I just really appreciate sort of like all the sort of like. What? allusions to to what you know what will happen to a particular person or sort of what's going to happen you know event wise but yeah i, I just love for symbolic meanings like that why the orange though I, I never i didn't i and to be honest first i think i, I told you this last, last episode um i didn't pick up on that when when watching the trilogy um well at least the first one i didn't pick up on that so watching the second and third one i did look out mm -hmm. for it um but why the orange what is it what is what is the orange like why is that chosen as the the mark of basically the mark of the beast <laughs> yeah i have no clue I, I don't think there was ever like a strict definition or strict explanation i would imagine just visually it's a very uh popping color right and, and a very yeah. vibrant thing and in the ways that they appear it's not like it's out of context right like it's not just like right. someone tosses a fucking orange out of nowhere it it, right, it fits right. into the scene and it is it doesn't scream hey something's about to happen uh but it it is a through line in that way 
Um, and there's definitely like a rundown if you want. I could I could sort of read it out of each time where it it was shown and then someone did die because of it. Um, but basically, um, I I just feel like it's a more visual thing than anything. Okay, that's interesting. <laughs> so real yeah. quick, how do you guys feel about Fredo's character and obviously everything that went south and changed throughout that timeline? Um, and the way things were handled, right? I think it's important to 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 talk about that. I feel like that's the biggest moment, in my opinion, of this film. Um, so curious, how, how did you guys feel about Fredo's character at all in general? And then as things progressed throughout the movie, and we and we learn more. I thought Fredo I think... was um, no. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, sorry. Yeah, this is like to say real brief. I I think hindsight. You know, when you consider that, at least the way I view it, the, the family looked at him as, as very sort of weak and fragile, you know, and I, I think especially in this movie, you see that he really doesn't have the capacity to lead the family. I think it's so right out of the gate. And so I think sort of having all of this build up instead of having all this, um, I guess, almost resentment for how others perceived him i think you know sort of led let him down a, a very dark path and you know ultimately to it or led to you know his penultimate fate you know so I, I i think that you know the movie does i think as much as you can sort of depending on who you're rooting for in, in this story right I, I think at the very least you can sort of understand how he sort of um how he was motivated to to do certain things even though it it comes at the expense of the people he loves and ultimately his his own life you know so yeah i um he strikes me more as like the outcast of the family because i was trying to think about it i don't remember i don't recall um when Vito uh was alive that he was like you know he ever discussed uh fredo i don't remember he was working with Mo Green in Vegas, so that's that's yeah. why he was never really a part of the the main story. Yeah, he he never, but he he was never someone that he even discussed like that, like not even like, you know, it's, it almost seemed as if, um, Tom was more of his son than Fredo was, and that that was that was very interesting to me because mm -hmm. like you know, Fredo Fredo was an opportunist; he was an outcast. Um, he was, uh, he was a bit of a coward too, right? He wasn't really someone that really just like had the balls to go, go after it and, and do whatever. Um, I, I also found myself kind of like feeling bad for him mm -hmm. in a way. Um, because it's not as if I think toward the end of the movie, you know, we, we 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 hear what he's talking about, like what he you know wants. He just wants respect. You know, he wants to you know earn his way. Basically, he wants to feel like a man, and you know you can respect that. Um, but never did he show any type of uh, what was it? He just didn't show any balls, bro. Like he just he just didn't have it to do it. <laughs> to do anything outside of really just kind of like getting by right like that was that was what i perceived his character as 
um, just the outcast of the family that really just didn't do much. You know, you barely even saw him. Um, but when he's there, you know, he's, you know, he's there because, you know, he wants something really. So mm -hmm. I stay away from those family members. So, so I could exactly, <laughs> I, I, I actually I am it. really a fan of his character in both movies because, and, and you yeah. might not remember this, but in the first movie, they specifically say in that meeting right before, obviously this is before the Cor uh, the Michael Corleone, I am the Godfather montage. So shout out that one of my, one of my favorite scenes of all time. Um, but they're talking about Fredo's responsibilities in Vegas and how he foregoes a lot of them to try to fuck the waitresses that are there. Yeah. And, yeah. and that, that mention in itself like that's an insignificant part of the story. Like yeah. that is there. There's no reason really for us to know that about him. Right. Um, but then when you put it in context with the second one, it just really speaks to what you said. Like he he wants to basically put his own position in the family and be a part of the family in that way. And he thinks he's doing that by following these different um, vain uh, lifestyles. I mean, look at look at his wife and the mesh that she yeah. was right. So yeah. um, it's it's almost like he's chasing status through ways in which he thinks um, is going to get him. And clearly they don't. Um, but in a weird way, you do kind of sympathize with that. Like you kind of understand. Obviously, I don't agree, wouldn't do it that way myself, but you understand how someone in his position would be led to that lifestyle. And And the craziest part about it for me was like, I remember the first time I watched this, just coming to realize that it was that he was involved with that assassination attempt on Michael and that he had yeah. knowledge of it and didn't say anything about it. Um, that part, it was where I lost all sympathy and understanding for him as a character. It was almost like um, at this point now, it's only a matter of time before you do die. Like I was like, yeah. it's not a debate. He's, he's going to die. Yeah. As soon as I found, as soon as that scene played out and obviously the kiss of death, another very iconic scene, uh, which you love to see in front of everyone just so angry, but do doesn't say anything, but he says everything. Like, I, I love that. Um, but there's just so many nuances with the small moments. Cause it's not like he's a big fixture in one or two, really. He's a big right. fixture in two because of the reality of what happened. Right. But right. he's not there for a lot of screen time, but every time I feel like he was a part of a scene, um, it was very impactful. And I think the fact that we can juxtapose Michael and Tom Egan and all these other characters with him and and just being the absolute piece of shit that he is with all due respect um yeah. i i think that's the key like check marks you need to have with a villain in any in any film like yeah. where you understand their motives you you wouldn't you would never go about it the way they would and it just makes you hate them even more um but there there's one line i'm trying to remember exactly what was said um but when they're discussing whether or not he knew that um, they were trying to kill Michael and instead of saying, no, like, I didn't know, I didn't have no parts in this. I think he said something like, um, I didn't know it was going to be a hit. And, and that oh, yeah, in itself, yeah, yeah. like that, the nuance of that in itself is like, that says so much about you. Like the fact yeah. that you, th you think saying that is going to absolve you from being involved in this 
um, really speaks to how he, who he thinks he is, right? Like, yeah. Um, and, and what he thinks he can get away with. So I, I just love those dynamic moments between those characters. It really shows a Michael's strength and B his fucking weakness. Uh, to be yeah. frank. Yeah. So. Um. Yeah, I can. Uh, damn, that was amazing. Because, because <laughs> myself, um, I don't know. I'd be actually. Are you fine if we talk about like a specific? This is more. I, I, I no doubt we're gonna go into this character a bit. Are you fine if we sort of jump forward to a specific scene in the movie? Is that right with you guys? Yeah. So, the one that stands out to me, uh, that I view it as iconic, is um, the abortion scene, not the actual like uh, or the review, the abortion reveal, mm-hmm. um. And I say all that because I think that moment epitomizes so much for the character of Michael. Um, and I say that because, like, like, it starts off with, like, like it's very clear that sort of Michael's ego is getting the better of him. And I think for him, the fact that the one person that he's supposed to love or loves ends up being the one that be him because if you think about it like uh and mind you i haven't watched um part three to to really you know justify the statement but you can really venture to say that like you know okay was the only person to have ever beaten michael if you think about it uh, and I say that because she managed to take away the one thing that, you know, he wanted. And that was really to keep expanding the family, you know, really without his consent. And I think the irony of it all is that as Michael is sort of going through with all these hits and going through future ones and everything, he has the audacity to look at Kay as a monster. But he himself is already a monster, you know. And so I think that scene especially is set out, obviously, outside of the acting component. It's just, I think from... Uh, a story perspective and that scene wasn't included to really show how dramatic how dramatically or sorry how Michael has changed so dramatically that I think the film could have faltered a little bit because I really don't think there could have been this could have been a better scene to really encompass what I think Francis uh, Coppola wanted to to show to the audience so I just figured I'd bring it to your attention. I was so excited to talk about this too. I was just kind of waiting. And I love that you said it the way you said it. Because real quick, um, I know you said, you know, without this, this movie would have been entirely different. Um, Shout out to Talia Sheree, who's actually the actress that plays Kay Adams. Uh, She was the person who actually suggested to Francis Ford Coppola that this is how the, the scene was to happen. Originally, it was supposed to be just a miscarriage. And as almost a oh shit, thank you so much moment. He actually wrote in the scene where she was pleading with him to not kill Fredo. So gave her more scene, like uh, more scene time because of that suggestion and and the impact it ended up having on the final film. So that wouldn't have even existed without her input and suggesting, hey, this will be so much more impactful. Uh, and it fucking was. So yeah, definitely an iconic wow. point of the movie. And, and uh, really shows, right? A lot of the times, as a as a director, you're asking for these character these uh, actors to really dive into these characters, and mm. in some ways, who better than those than those people being asked to do that uh, than to really truly um, 
assess where their motives would be and and what would be the most impactful. So definitely a lot of happy happy moments listening to actors that uh, suggest character moments like that. That that's super cool. Yeah, I um, I I Michael goes through a whole lot in this film. I, like. <laughs> It's weird because it's like again, there's a lot of time that 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 goes on just in this film uh, a couple of years that that take place and um one of the the one of the wildest parts about his whole story arc is that um you see at the end of the day he really just wants to he really wants to legitimize the family he wants to he wants to make sure they're going in the right direction and and, and kind of get out of um of this family business so to speak um i don't think he knew it was going to take take as long <laughs> right i think he kind of like figured he could kind of like get in and kind of change things and then get out um but one of the things that I found very interesting was uh uh just his his story overall was the fact that uh uh you know he's in Italy and marries uh uh I forgot her name, but he marries this woman and Her her death. <laughs> I've seen this movie before, but again, like I told you, Chris, uh, uh, last time, it's like it was, it's like my first time watching it again because I haven't seen it in so long, um, that I forget different things take place. But her death, uh, I almost felt like was, even though her her character didn't have a lot of screen time either. Like she she was she wasn't really wasn't a big portion of the movie i almost feel like her her death kind of um catapulted him into um i guess trying to have a normal life like trying to fast track it a little bit more um to get this whole thing out of that space of of where they were as you know being in crime um because you could see the difference of where he was when he was in italy and you know of course he is he is the guy there um you know he's got guys that are working for him but he just kind of like wanted a simple life like a quiet life you can see that that's what he was he had over there and it got interrupted by her death um with that that uh bodyguard betraying him and um uh you know exploding the car the way that he did um I think that's one of those things where it's kind of like to me it was it was one of those characters his wife's well, his first wife um is one of those people that her character doesn't get as much like uh, attention but it is honestly her death that kind of like gets him more antsy to get out of this danger this danger zone right like 
so I think that to me, I think that's one of the most that's one of the most impactful uh, uh, aspects of the trilogy, to be honest, because that's one of those things like you see, and this is this famous line that you hear about in the in the end. I mean, in the in the, in the, the last film, um, where it's like you know, keep trying to get out, and they keep pulling me in, right? Like he obviously wants to get out, like he that's what he wants, but he doesn't get what he wants uh, in this movie. You know what I'm saying? So it's like I don't know. I, I think her her character was uh, she's not she's not mentioned a lot when people talk about this about this trilogy in general. But she's one of those that have a really uh, a lasting mark on Michael. I think moving forward yeah. from her death. That's a really good point. I never even like thought about her when watching Godfather too. But that's a really good yeah. point, especially yeah. because in a lot of ways, like you said what he wants and what he has to do are never aligned and his duty yeah. is always like what ends up coming first. Like even that moment with K where he's like, um, what, what did he say again? He was like, Oh, um, you promised, she promised, she said like, you promised me within five years that the, yeah. the family business will be entirely legitimate. And he's like, yeah, I, I'm trying. <laughs> and yeah. I don't think, I don't think that he thought he was lying when he said that. Right. Like, I don't, I don't yeah. think so. But at the end of the day, you get forced in different directions when you're in a position like he's in. And and I think that's what adds to, to, um, to really like bring home the idea of like what these mob families are. Um, mm -hmm. at the end of the day, we know out of, if, if anyone was to be anointed, it was Michael. We went through that process throughout the first movie. Um, yeah. but even with him and, and us knowing, Hey, we're in the best hands we possibly could be in right now. Uh, there's still a lot of moments where it's questionable and I don't, not, not that you don't understand, but you don't agree. Right. There's moments where, um, it's, it's almost like his hand was forced and in a way, even if he wanted to do something else, he just can't because at this right. point you need to respond the way you need to respond. Um, and it, and it sort of brings it back to like that idea of like, yeah, no matter how good you are, uh, you're going to end up being tainted somehow, uh, when you're working in this, uh, line of business. So it's good. Yeah. Yeah. And the family looked to him to lead before, the, before Vito even died. Mm -hmm. Right. Like he, he had the responsibility of being the godfather long before the, the actual godfather passed away. You know, I, I think, um, Again, I think that's one of those things where it's just someone getting something that they didn't want. And like juxtapose, you look at, at, at Fredo, he wanted that responsibility. You know, like I think he wanted the, the not not the responsibility. I think Fredo wanted the the what came with that notability. And I don't know that Michael actually wanted that. I think Michael just again wanted that simplistic life. You know, he did, I don't think he really cared about all that other stuff. Cuz it didn't seem as if he ever cared about it. It's just it, to me it seemed like as if he was just just like tunnel vision on what the end goal is and what I got to do to get there. It didn't seem as if he truly cared about all the glitz and glamour that came with his position. You know, like you could see plenty of times where he just kind of like tries to like despise them out of the spotlight. It's like, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Almost despise yeah. it. Yeah. And yeah. I'm glad you mentioned yeah. that too, because like, you know, 
jumping i'm sorry we're gonna go back uh for a little bit but like even jumping forward to the end like <laughs> the only way he the main way he consolidated all of this power right is is through um vengeance you know um and so yeah i i think like it's just a really like crazy thing to to think about i'm sure you know uh you were you were christian really expand upon that i'm sort of trying to you know collect my thoughts but uh yeah i think it's a very good point you brought up oh yeah i i think um i think he he's just one of those he's a complicated character i think honestly i think every character in this film is complicated in their own way i think that um i think k is Kay is one of those characters to me that just is she's it's weird. It's weird because she actually um you could tell she loves she loves Michael. She never loses her love for Michael. I don't even know that she ever really loses respect for Michael. I just think that she just does not want to be in this position, right? Like she wants to of course do what's best for her and her family and all that other stuff. But I think she kind of, I don't think she ever really loses her respect for him. I just don't think she ever agreed with what he did. And and nor did she ever care about what he became, right? And I think there's there's a complication there because this is the father of your kids. And again, uh, to bring up what you guys were discussing earlier about, about the about the abortion, like, you know, she obviously loves Michael. But she held on to that secret for so long. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, Michael thought that this was a miscarriage. And she said, no, I didn't want to bring another kid into this world. I didn't want to, I didn't, I don't want to perpetuate this with anyone else. Right? Like, yeah. this needs to stop. And it's like, it's, it's weird because, I mean, it's not weird, but you can understand what her, what her, um, what her perspective is because, you have two kids that are already in this lifestyle growing up and seeing all this stuff around them. And you're thinking of you're, you're pregnant, right? Like you, you got another kid on the way and that's what goes through your mind is like, you don't want them to experience all this. And so you, you think it's just, you come to the conclusion that it's just better to not have the child than to, than to uh, have a child that, that experiences all this. And I think that's, that's a very, complicated uh, uh uh decision to make right like yeah that to a to have an abortion because you would rather do that than to than to have this child grow up around this much violence and, and betrayal that's 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 complicated on a lot of levels man i, I it's and very interesting yeah and i think you have to also consider like not even consider because you mentioned it too is like michael sort of expressed so like so so much anxiety with mm -hmm. the thought of losing his family right and mentioning the abortion state once more like hearing the words you know this was an abortion right then this was intentional right like this is yeah. an intentional decision to hurt me and really to to hurt the way you know i can expand the family business right and so michael's self-centeredness really comes full swing you know, obviously we see we see him strike K down, but then 
on the other hand, too, it's like he I mentioned this before, but like his ego has just gotten in the way of him to make rational decisions. And that we yeah. see him literally jeopardize his own safety just to yeah. say, you know what, you know, I, I want to do this because, you know, for all intents and purposes, he, he, he wants to be done with his life, you know, or at the very least, he sort of like, you know, has this. I mean, I don't know if, if you could really interpret this this way. Maybe this is the wrong way of interpreting it. But like the first thought that I came to mind is like, OK, like if I'm going down, like I'm go I'm. Like, if I'm going down, I'm going down with a fight. And so I'm not letting Kay take away my children. You know, I'm I'm coming for them. You know what I mean? That's, you know, what he did. And it's like, um, I don't know. I, I just think, like, it, it's... Like, um, what's it called? I, I just think, like, even, like, obviously, when Michael and, like, Kay have that exchange, um, like, I was near the end of the film, too. It's like, well, like... Like Michael's definitely left the mark, you know, and, and not the one that maybe he ever he originally intended. Definitely not the one he originally intended, you know. Like he he has become, you know, a literal monster, right? He's you know become, you know, something that he does not want to be, and that's really and what that is is to be just a typical. Um, I think it's like the words like mafat like mafasio or. Like Mafaso, like basically like this mafia, mm -hmm. like authority figure, I guess. Like, you know, and I, I say that because I can connect it back to part one because, you know, like this, this life was not meant for him. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. really wasn't. He wanted that private life. And ultimately, um, you know, we, we see a man who's not the same as, as he once was, you yeah. know. Yeah. Definitely so. hit the ground running and. My favorite part, and I, I just thought about it in this context, and then we can move on because I know we've been uh, talking about this a lot now, right? But my favorite part about the dynamic with that scene specifically is, like, the entire time, all the flack she's been dealing with, um, all the time she has been slighted by Michael, by him not doing what he said he was going to do or whatever. In his mind, I could imagine, those were never intentional, like, what's the word here like intentional moments of disrespecting his his wife's word right like he was never intentionally saying i'm gonna do this to not do what i told you i was gonna do like i'm sure in his mind that that was very much still his priority but the business comes first right so you have yeah. to sort of weigh those things out this was the only opportunity she had to get back at him with intention to say not only um Am I tired of the bullshit? Literally. Um, but this is the the only opportunity she could have had to have an impact on him like that. I mean, just think about the situation with his first wife. She died. He came back to the States and within a year was back with Kay again. Like, I'm right. sure right. if he at, at any point she knew, too, that he finds out and she could probably get killed for this. Right. She yeah. knew this, but she already fully accepted that. I need to do this for, for myself, for those reasons, but also I'm going to make sure you specifically understand why I did this. And, and that, yeah. that is just brilliant for sure. And then just to clarify with a statement I was making earlier, it wasn't Kay Adams character. So I, I, I messed that up a little bit. 
it was um the sister connie so the the woman who played connie, connie was yes. the one who who made that suggestion um and that's why he she ended up getting the larger part later when speaking with fredo which i mentioned so just wanted to clarify wow. that uh okay i got you that made, okay that gotcha 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 yeah, yeah. Yeah, she oh. was, she was very interesting too because you see like a lot of her uh dynamics play out um with with this film um you can you can almost see like where she like at the beginning of the movie she she's she's kind of like wilding out and you know not taking care of the kids type of thing like leaves the kids with the family and she goes off with whatever man around the world type of thing um but it, it to see her i think her her evolution uh to where she's kind of like you know she she's working within the family business and she's you know she's she's supportive of michael and you know like she's actually like active right um i thought it was was a lot better again a lot better than what would happen than the the connie we were introduced to in the first film, the Connie we were introduced in the first film was just she was just slapped around and kind of abused type of thing, and 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 here she's kind of like taking a stance, like she's she's not she's not afraid to actually make her voice heard, right? Even if she's wrong, she's okay with actually like you know voicing her opinion on stuff, and and um um you know I'm not gonna get into like what happened with the third film, but uh. I think she she was very assertive. Let me put it like that. Uh, she started. You can see her evolution into becoming more assertive, um, which you see more in the third film. But I I I can appreciate her character a little more in this movie than I did in the the first one. You know, I thought she was really good. So I'm glad that that's what what took place because that that whole I think that the uh the the abortion reveal was just as impactful as the as as michael's uh wife being killed over in italy you know i, I think that was that was one of those impactful moments it's, it's it's small right it's it's not like um one of the the bigger plot points in the film that you just immediately think about but it's one of those those turning points in the movie because you can see how michael went from loving Kay to just despising her and hating her, right? It was one of those things where, like, he just, I can't rock with you anymore. I mean, to the point where the kids couldn't even see the mom. Like, that was that was very, very uh, intriguing to me. I, I think that, I think Michael, um, you could see where he just, he absolutely lost it at that time. Like, he lost it. And and, and it's it's very interesting because up until that point, you see a character that, and we talked about this before in the first episode, uh, Chris, but, like, he was one of those characters that was highly composed the entire time you saw him. He didn't get too high, didn't get too low. He just, he stayed right there, right neutral. And this was the moment. Like, I don't even, it didn't even seem as if he lost it when his wife died. He lost it when Kay told her that she had an abortion. And that's where he just flipped. Right, like of course he's still strategic and all that stuff moving after that, but it was one of those things where he just he he yeah he couldn't trust anyone really to be honest. Like I mean his whole his whole relationship with Hyman Roth was very very peculiar, 
You know, Hyman Roth was was one of those characters that, you know, you liked him as a character, but the more you saw, it was like, oh, okay, this is what this guy's about. You know, like it's it's, I don't know. I I thought his character was very complicated too, very interesting, very intriguing, um, but complicated. Yeah, and I like too that. In all those moments, right, we're a fly on the wall in all these meetings and all these um, get-togethers, right? But we're all rooting, right, for these things to work yeah. out well. Um, yeah. So, yeah, cu- culminating with the point where he makes the decision that he's going to get him killed as well, just, I don't know, man. I, I love this movie. Uh, there's so many different parts of it to like. There's so much to talk about that it's like, how do you even <laughs> how do you even focus yeah. on one yeah, part I of the know. movie more? Like we didn't even discuss Hammer Roth this entire time, and that's one of the main characters of the mm-hmm. of the entire film. So um with all with all three of these movies, I'm sure there's just so much stuff, so many different angles that you can sort of look at it from, uh really speaks to how great these are. So I think it's appropriate now. If if there's anything else that you guys want to wrap up with A, but B, uh that we give our ratings, right? We gotta give our star ratings. Um because uh, so, I'm not sure that we did that last time. Uh, so any closing words and 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 please uh, looking forward to hearing you guys' ratings. Boy, um, yeah, I think five out of five. Um, I I think. Oh, actually, I didn't even offer um my thoughts on the first Godfather, but yeah, I, quite simply, excellent film. You know, uh. <laughs> That's all. Excellent film. Well, I say, uh, give me a hot one. take. Give me a. Um, give me a... Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, that I'd probably give like a four and a half. This one a five, because I think part two is a technically like from a filmmaking standpoint is a technically better film. Um, you know, I think because uh Coppola has so much experience behind the camera making the first one, you know, he sort of made a, a lot of improvements. I think even his use of space, I know he didn't. I will try to wrap it as quick as I can, but he's used a space uh, in a lot of scenes. I think was really done to really contrast the sort of uh, power dynamics between the like the family members. I think of like, um, oh my goodness, the, I'm for, like the 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 mother's funeral. I'm forgetting yes. the the mother's name. Like the mother's funeral, it's what the signs of sort of like distinguishing. Okay, so these people are valued more than others. I think again, it's really a testament to sort of um, the way. Coppola, uh, like, uses a lot of symbolism, you know? Um, but, yeah, so I figured I'd mention that. Easy 5 out of 5, and I'm looking forward to to watching Part 3, which I know is is uh, is controversial for some, but I'm still looking forward to it uh, nonetheless. I'm going to hop ahead of you, Derek, just because you excited me once again, Matt, because you reminded me of something <laughs> that I honestly would have forgot to mention had you not have mentioned it, because uh, we already went on our Fredo rant, so I definitely would have yeah. threw this fact out the window. But funny enough, there was a big um, point of contention between Mario Puzo and Francis Ford Coppola, the director and obviously the writer of the books, on whether or not they would kill Fredo at all. Like, that was a yeah. conversation for a long time where they didn't feel like they should have killed Fredo. And eventually they came on uh, the agreement that, yeah... I'll let you kill Fredo, but it has to be only under the condition that it's after their mom passes away so that her mom, their mom doesn't have to deal. And the fact that that was agreed upon that way is just so cool, bro. And so spot on because obviously the characters in the film have nothing to do with that decision, but it just fits on what would like the family do. Right. So to speak. Yeah. Uh, so lo- love that decision. Love the movie. 
and I agree with a lot of the points you made, Matt. I think this film stands out particularly in this trilogy as the best. Personally, I actually like the storyline of Godfather 1 better. Uh, but I agree. I feel like the execution as well as the culmination of both movies. Like, I feel like the Godfather 2 really is the high point of the series because it gives you so much new stuff to bite on. But it also wraps up so much old stuff, too. Uh, so, yeah, su such a good movie. I give it a five star as well. Yeah. Um, I Actually, to your point about, about the, the mother's death, um, I actually... I took that as um, kind of like being consistent with the first one. So you remember when um, uh, what was the other the, uh, older brother's name? Um, Sonny. Sonny. You remember when he he was killed, right? When they were down in the morgue, and Vito told the um, uh, told the guy to get him, you know, dressed up. I don't want his mother to see him like that, right? And it's almost as if, because it kind of kept with the theme of, you know, keeping the mother away from all of this. Like, even with the death aspect of it, not seeing uh, the body in that in that shape. Like, so I kind of like just took it as as that that whole th thematic uh, thing uh, with the films. But I mean, that's that's an amazing amazing uh, uh, trivia point. Um, no, I think this one, this one was my favorite one of the trilogy for sure, because I mean, Robert De Niro's performance as Vito to me is just spot on. It's phenomenal. It, 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 it almost, it's almost as if that's exactly who Vito was prior to the movie, you know, like, like that's prior to the first movie, I should say. So I, I thought the movie in general is phenomenal. It's very well balanced for a three hour film, very well balanced. To basically give us two movies in one, I I I can I can appreciate that. So um yeah definitely five out of five. That was definitely a, oh, to me that was a perfect movie, perfect perfect perfect. Um so yeah, love it. And honestly, it speaks to where you know you're talking about again. Uh, can can sequels surpass the the original? And you know I think when done properly, that's what's supposed to happen. Honestly. The sequel should outdo the first. And then if you have a trilogy, the third should outdo all three. Mm -hmm. You know? Or at least wrap up what took place in, in, in the first two. Um keep raising the standard. I, yeah, you raise the standard. That's that's to me, that's what it should be. So uh I thought this movie did that and there's nothing to complain about for me. Hell yeah. It's only appropriate that the pod father brings us home on that one. So with that all being said, <laughs> uh, let's go let's go around the horn, give our socials, make sure that you follow our stuff. Uh, of course, you can find me at Negrong MMA on Twitter. I'm at 513. I can't get over the hump. Can't get over the hump of this 10. I don't know what it is. I can't get to 520, man. So help me out. Uh, really looking forward to continuing to hit these milestones. Uh, I know I've been saying and promising on many shows that the MMA archive will be back and I've just been doing other shit. It will be back. I promise. Uh, really looking forward to getting back and doing that and um, also putting things into context. Uh, you could also find me on Instagram at Chris Negron underscore and then random antidote. Cause I'm plugging. I might as well plug. Um, by the time this goes up, it is officially fight week for the GOATs, in my opinion. Alexander Volkanovsky going up to face Yario Rodriguez. So check that out. That's my plug for the week. 
shout out to who I think is the best uh, mixed martial arts fighter I've ever seen compete. Uh, but with that being said, looking forward to that. Uh, Matt, please give the people your socials. It's going to be Matt underscore T29 uh, you know, over on Instagram. And, uh, you know, thank you so much for the support. I, you know, I miss uh, doing that, the last episode with these guys, you know, uh, discuss the first Godfather. But nevertheless, appreciate doing this. Uh, I'm happy to watch the video. Uh, watch the last episode. You guys show a lot of support. It's something that we deeply appreciate. Um, and it's one thing I can ask what is, uh, to the audience and to you guys. If any of you have TV shows or movies that you recommend me to watch outside of the Godfather trilogy, please let me know because I am struggling big time. Uh, I don't know what I want to pick up on, so figured I'll leave that message out there. So <laughs> here's one from on uh, Prime Video. That's a, that's a ten episode series. Check that out. I, it's actually really good. Really good series. Which, so, which show was that again? From? From? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, really good series. So I, I'm in, I'm actually toward the tail end of it right now. So really good, though. Um, And also Jane the Virgin. Uh, check that out if you haven't seen that yet. Um, But yeah, you can follow me at Derek underscore OTS. That's D-E-R-R-I-C-K, the black way to spell it. Um, but you know, as as Chris mentioned in the beginning of the episode, please follow OTS on all social media platforms, OTS Media on YouTube, OTS Media Co, all social media platforms. Uh like, hit that notification bell, uh subscribe if you have not done so. Um, you know, again, let us know what you guys think. Um, we are getting back to it with a lot of stuff. Um, because a lot of stuff has been going on behind the scenes um uh, with different people, you know. Um I've been out of I've been out of commission for like the last month and a half two months so um there's a lot of stuff that that i'm going to be getting back into where you'll see a lot more stuff coming out so you know please be on the lookout for all that stuff thank you guys for watching and or listening and appreciate your support more than you guys know we'll catch you guys next time peace peace